Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Well, well, well. How about them Cowboys? I can't believe that I'm about to do this, but I'm actually going to start this wild card whip by going all Ryan in Sacktown on Cowboy Nation. Ho, 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 oh, Cowboys. Ho, 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 oh, Big Mike. Ho, 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 oh, Dak Prescott. Ho, 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 oh, Micah Parsons in that vaunted Cowboy defense. Ho, 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 I thought this was the win the Super Bowl challenge, not the sissy challenge. This is the spicy challenge, not the sissy challenge. We have seen some epic Cowboy playoff collapses over the years. And that right there was not only another one, but maybe the biggest one ever. Even for the Cowboys, that was an utter catastrophe. A complete disaster. I mean, there have been some pretty horrific losses on some pretty big stages. But that right there, given the magnitude of that hospital job, that might have been their worst loss ever. The alleged Super Bowl contender with the alleged elite defense and the alleged MVP candidate QB had a home game and a clear path to the NFC Championship. What could possibly go wrong other than everything under the sun? Big Mike's boys didn't just lose. They got their asses handed to them. They were humiliated, curb-stomped, and in no way prepared to handle the big stage. And it wasn't even that big of a stage. It was freaking wild-card weekend at home where they were undefeated and were huge favorites. Yet, they lose the coin toss, they allow Green Bay to go right down the field, and then they never were actually in the game after that. I mean, so much blame to go around. So much blame to go around. But before I start blaming people, first, credit to the victors. Jordan Love was unbelievable. Matt LaFleur has done an incredible job this season. It was great to see Aaron Jones back doing what he does best, running all over Dallas. And it was just an incredible night for the pack. So credit where credit's due, full stop. For real. As for Dallas, where do I even begin? Oh, I know, with the big fella. Because that's the kind of ass-kicking that alters careers and legacies and not just big mics. Although, I will start there. There is no seat fat enough, hot enough for big Mike right about now. Wherever big Mike is right now, he needs to stop, drop, and roll because his ass is fully on fire. There's no way around it. Big Mike now has a big fat problem. And Jarrah's got a big decision to make because his coach has one playoff win in four seasons in Dallas. One playoff win with multiple playoff disasters. And this one yesterday was an all-timer. There is no way to justify that. I mean, one thing to lose. It's a good Green Bay team. A confident Green Bay team. One thing to lose... And that still would have been really bad. But another to get fully curb stomped and humiliated in your own house. The boys were not ready. They were not composed. 
They got straight punked by the youngest team in the league. They let a quarterback in his first playoff make their alleged league MVP and franchise quarterback look terrible. Jordan Love balled the hell out while Dak just did what Dak always seems to do in big games. So it's all fine and well that Dak endorses Big Mike, except Dak's endorsement of Big Mike, or anything at all for that matter, has never meant less. Has never been less significant. Because he just played another horrible playoff game. What, so you're going to act like I'm the face of the franchise? What I think matters? I back my coach? Great, Dak. Great, Dak, you've got the big boys back. My question, Dak, who has your back? Yeah, he's been... Amazing. Um, I, I don't know how there can be, but I understand the business. Uh, in, in that case, it should be about me as well, honestly. I mean, that, that guy, I've had the season that I've had because of him. Um, we, this team has had the success that they've had because of him. And uh, I understand it's about winning the Super Bowl. And, and that, that's the standard of the league and damn sure the standard of this place. So um, I get it, but add me to the list in that case. Oh, don't worry, dude. You're absolutely on that list. There are no buts about this. You're definitely on the list of things that the Cowboys need to improve to actually make a serious run at a Super Bowl. You're actually right near the top of the list. I'm not going to put it all on you, but dude, don't act like you're not a part of this. You're high on that list, just not quite as high as your head coach. I don't think that Dak's endorsement is going to say Big Mike, considering Dak has never looked as good in a game that matters as Jordan Love just looked in his very first playoff game. And damn, did Jordan Love look amazing in that playoff game. Dude was damn near perfect. He's out there looking like a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's out there once again looking like a legit Packer franchise QB. Dude was out there putting on a laser show. Clutch plays, slinging off platform throws, standing in, taking shots, making unbelievable throws, and making it look effortless. In other words, all the things that we're supposed to see from Dak in a big game, but never do. Jera has a lot to think about and multiple big decisions to make, so he better get to thinking. Because after that game yesterday, he essentially had no thoughts at all. I don't have any thoughts about the reasons why or anything to do with the coaching, anything to do about the players. I want to give uh, Green Bay a lot of uh, uh, compliments and uh, credit. Uh, And uh, uh, this is uh, one of my most surprises since I've been involved in sport, period. Quote, this is one of your most surprises? Most surprises. The hell does that even mean? Truth is, it's one of my least surprises, Jera. If it's one of your most surprises, most surprises, it's definitely one of my least surprises. I mean, how surprising is it really, Jera? Considering this is what your team does almost every single year. You know what would have actually been one of the most surprises? If your team actually showed up and played a great game and didn't completely collapse in catastrophic fashion, then that would have been one of the most surprises. If Big Mike coached a great game 
and Dak actually played up to expectations, that would have been one of the most surprises. Listen, you know I'm never rooting for anybody to get fired. I'm just not. Nor am I ever looking to take food off anybody's table. Although I'm pretty sure Big Mike's got enough food on his table to last for a long, long time. And I'm pretty sure that he was hired, though, to win games like that. In fact, I know he was, right? Unless they're not about that. I said last week that losing this game would be a fireable offense. And I said that because it's true. However, losing that game the way they lost that game is an even more fireable offense. And I'll tell you another reason why. The GOAT, Bill the GOAT, goat. is available. And supposedly Hoodman and Geriatric have a solid relationship. And if that's really the case, how does Jared not justify giving Belichick a call? Your head coach is not who you thought he was. Your quarterback is not who you thought he was. Your defense is not what you thought it was. Your D coordinator is not who you thought he was. Something drastic needs to change. And what could be more drastic than bringing in Bill Belichick? And staying with Big Mike, if you do that, right? If you say, uh, he's won a couple of divisional crowns. We win 12 games a year. He's won a playoff game. It, it ain't broke. If you stay with Big Mike, what does that tell your fan base? It tells your fan base you're fine with getting worked in the first round in your house by touchdown underdogs. Sticking with Big Mike tells your your fans you're fine with just winning the division and then gagging in the playoffs. Sticking with Big Mike is sticking with losing. It tells your fan base, hey man, we're good. We're good every regular season. The playoffs are overrated. We don't really give a damn about that. I mean, come on. You want to know how big of a disaster the Cowboys are? So big that the Detroit Lions actually won a playoff game, and that's not even the biggest story in the NFL today. It's been 32 years since the city of Detroit has won a playoff game. And yet, the Dallas storyline is still bigger. But speaking of the D, yo... It did get sweaty as hell at the end there. Butts were definitely pick, puckered up in Big D. Made your butthole pucker up. And no, they didn't cover. But I don't think they give a damn about that part. I'm pretty sure Detroit just needed to see a playoff win, and they did. And they did so in person. And now, thanks to the choking Cowboys, they will get another game in that absolutely amazing atmosphere next week. And the man of the hour himself is definitely pumped about that, a.k.a. the Gofford Bowl Revenge Game winner, Jared Goff. This place is special to me, and like I just said, these people are special. Um, that's the best home atmosphere I've ever played in front of, um, and I expect next week to be you know, on top of that or second, you know, and uh, it, it's, it's a special place to play. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. 
Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Um, that's the best home atmosphere I've ever played in front of. Um, and I expect next week to be, you know, on top of that or second, you know. And uh, it, it's it's a special place to play. How can you not be happy for that guy? I mean, good for that dude. We overuse that phrase, revenge games. But that really was a revenge game. A real revenge game. The Rams threw this dude out. They sent him to what they thought was football Siberia. Credit to the Lions, top to bottom. GM Brad Holmes has picked some incredible players, built an incredible roster. Dan Cannibal has brought amazing energy. And Goff has become a different kind of player. Statistically, maybe not. Statistically, he's actually pretty close to what he was with the Rams. However, that doesn't mean that he's not a different guy. And the rest of their young talent has stepped up huge. And they just beat a damn solid team. A really solid team. I mean, a surprisingly good year for the Rams. Tip your hat to the Rams. Acknowledge the Rams. Put some respect on the Rams. It was just a better year for the Lions, who now get to host a second home playoff game next week. And man, does that city deserve another game after their performance yesterday. Cowboy fan, get up in here. Lions fan, get up in here. 1-800-636-8686. I just interrupt the whip to remind you to get in here. I want to say the same thing for Chiefs fan, who showed up in ludicrously frigid conditions on Saturday night. Yeah, I wonder if the Dolphins have gotten any feeling back in their extremities yet. Fortunately for Miami... I don't believe that any players had any digits fall off Saturday night, like I predicted. I said there's going to be at least one toe or one finger or toes and fingers or a foot or feet or a leg. They were going to fall off in that frigid weather. It's not what happened. Nobody had any digits fall off. That's the good news. Bad news for Miami, the entire team had the wheels fall off. I know full well how miserable it is in Kansas City in the elements. I still have not recovered from my one experience in that KC cold. And it seems like it's going to take the Dolphins years to recover from this one too. Like I said Friday, the Chiefs might not be at their peak, but they still have Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes? Andrew Reid, And they still know how to win in the cold. They just know how to win in that house, period. And come to find out, they had heard all the hype. They had heard all the noise. They had heard everything about how they were not what they were. And then they want to remind everybody, all right, all right. 
Maybe we are, maybe we aren't, but we are still the defending champs, and you got to come through here. Miami, so, and they were comfortable there. That's where they live. That's what they do. Miami, on the other hand, could not have looked more out of place. They could not have looked more uncomfortable. They couldn't have looked more out of rhythm. We knew they had to run it. They had to run it to have any shot, but they couldn't get a run game going. They couldn't get a pass game going. Their head coach looked like his face was frozen and was going to shatter into a million pieces. Meanwhile, you got Andy Reid out there, essentially icicles forming in his stash. Couldn't care less. What I'm saying is the Chiefs look like the Chiefs and the Dolphins looked really, really cold. Or like a really cold version of the same Dolphins team that backed their way into the playoffs. And it didn't have to be like this, right? If they handled their business, they would have been at home in 80-degree weather. Except that was no one-off. The thing about the Dolphins and the very obvious storyline, they did not play well coming down the stretch. They haven't played well in weeks. And frankly, they never play well against teams that matter. Like, every rap against them is true, unfortunately. They beat up on average to poor teams, and then they get worked when they play up against good teams. It's played out like that time and time again. This is not a theory. It's reality. Yes, they were banged up, but that's not why they lost. That's another team that has to do some serious soul-searching. Yes, they're better. Hell, they're infinitely more entertaining under Mike McDaniel. But as currently constructed, they're not a Super Bowl contender. They're just not. Not when they get their jaw broken every time they run into somebody who actually is a contender. Remember Mike McDaniel called Father Time a penis last week. This place is special to me. Father Time's a dick. You know? Thanks, Alvin. This place is special to you, too, I'm sure. Mike <laughs> Mike McDaniel did call Father Time a penis last week. Go ahead, Alvin. Father Time's a dick. Thank you. You know? Well, if Father Time is a penis, Mother Nature isn't much nicer. But the strongest force of nature in these playoffs is not Father Time being a penis. It's not Mother Nature not being much nicer. The strongest force of nature in these here playoffs is karma. Jungle karma. As in jungle karma. Just ask the Texans. I've got a lot more on the Texans. But what a beatdown of the Browns in Houston. 38-year-old Joe Flacco was a great, great story until he remembered he's 38-year-old Joe Flacco. I will. I'm going to. It's just not his time. Thanks, Alvin. That was well played. It's just not his time, obviously. It's C.J. Stroud's time. It's C.J. Stroud's world. We're all just living in it. This dude is an absolute stud. His head coach had an amazing game plan. His offensive coordinator called a brilliant game. That team is just ridiculously exciting right now. As I put on the X, that is a jungle team for the ages. And if we're being real, it is Texas's team. Lose me with this bullcrap 
about the Cowboys being America's team. They're not even Texas's team. There is most definitely a team in Texas with a quarterback and a head coach and a vibe to get excited about. Except they play in Houston, not Dallas. And a big shout-out to my dude, Nick Casario. What an unbelievable job he has done of building this thing. And he's not done yet. He's not done. They're not done. And they are built to freaking last. Amazing story. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly. How do you like that? All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, you do have to use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours, and you do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We are joined by Jane Slater. Jane, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Every time you call, you know, I make time for you. I know, I know you do, and I appreciate that so much, Jane. Great to have you on. You always make it better. So, Cowboy fans, Jane, have grown accustomed to playoff disappointment, but did yesterday's loss to Green Bay, was that rock bottom, and what is the latest from Big D this morning, Jane? You know, it's interesting. I didn't say, I didn't use the words, how do you power rank this one, Jerry? Uh, that probably wouldn't have been the most sensitive way to approach this one. But I did ask him where this one stacked. And he said that this was pretty high up there. And mostly because of the expectations they had for this team and the opportunity in front of them. I mean, Jordan Love has been playing exceptionally, exceptionally well uh, in this last stretch of six games this season. But they had an opportunity against this secondary. And then particularly at the end of the game when Jair Alexander uh, exited with an ankle injury. You know, he was questionable leading up to the game. And so it was the way they lost. It was the penalties. It was the forcing of the run. So questionable play calls. It was the body language of C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott when things weren't going right early on. Something that had been discussed early on in the season. Uh, and it was rearing its head again. This team just flat out came out not ready to play. And more importantly, Jim, you know how important fans are to Jerry Jones. They were booing and exiting before the fourth quarter. Those things never go well with Jerry Jones. Jane Slater joining us to that very point, Jane. You've covered Jerry Jones for many years. Have you ever seen him as despondent as he appeared to be in addressing the media yesterday? I have. Uh, he was pretty frustrated after the Cowboys-Rams loss when Jason Garrett was the coach. Remember, he kept him another year. And then it was the most interesting firing process. I actually went back to my notes to look this up. If you'll recall, they, they, they won the game against Washington. Eagles won the division, so they were out. And again, this was the year after he gave Jason that extra year, which I think in hindsight he wished he hadn't. Uh, 
they did the exit interviews, the cleaning out of the lockers. There was a one-hour conversation on a Wednesday, and then by Thursday we got news that, that Jason was out the door. And I sort of pressured Jerry on this last night, given the fact there are so many intriguing head coaches available right now. You know, the biggest issue for Jerry is postseason success. And right now, the winningest coach in the postseason, Bill Belichick with his 31 playoff wins, is available. And back in 2019, Jerry was on 105 through the fan, which I contribute to, and said that he was an Aspen at Snowmass getting his grandkids skis, and it was Bill Belichick who tapped on his shoulder and said, this was after he lost his job in Cleveland, said, if you ever get a head coaching job, come find me. And I just think it's really interesting the way things have aligned right now. Uh, Jerry wouldn't get into it. He essentially said, coaches, that's not a pressure situation for him, sort of indicating that if he wanted to go get someone, he could. Uh, But you also have this dynamic right now where last year I was told he was really frustrated after that loss in Santa Clara. I mean, how embarrassing the final image we have is Ezekiel Elliott lining up at center and getting blown back. Uh, No answers after Tony Pollard got injured. Um, But in that case, they decided to keep Mike, I was told, because they didn't want to pay him out the two years remaining on his contract and then pay a new head coaching staff. But you did notice coaching changes. All the coaches in expiring contracts were gone. Jerry was frustrated that he considered Mike to have one of the largest rosters for coaches uh, in the league and wasn't finding success, so he downsized it. And then Mike kind of upset Kellen Moore in his exit interview uh, that he obviously said at the podium, and Kellen Moore turned in his resignation, so that was the one where he walked. But it was just really, really interesting. We didn't expect some of those changes last year. You know, Mike's gotten play calling. They had to move on from his defensive coordinator in his first year. They downsized uh, this year and still not having success. So I think that's why there's going to be some real soul-searching and some deep diving. And the other layer to this, Jim, is you can't move on from the quarterback right now. I mean, Dak went up to the podium and supported Mike last night, but he's got a very significant, about a $60 million cap hit next year that's going to hit, and he's got a no-trade clause. So I don't see them going out and getting an OC guru as we've seen, you know, some of these other places uh, or try and go find a D'Amico Ryan like Houston got. I think if he were to make a change, it would have to be someone that's a bona fide postseason coach that can, and more importantly, Jim, change the culture of that locker room. I think that's what also uh, everyone in that building seems to think needs to happen. So well said. Jane Slater joining us right now. Jane, I'm like I'm like you. I'm not looking to get anybody fired. I'm not looking to take food off anybody's plate. But how would it play in that town with that fan base if Jerry doesn't make a significant move? And then secondarily, what about the thing that you brought up, the dynamic, the fit between Belichick and Jerry? Can you see that working? Uh, I'll answer the first question uh, first. I think that Fans are almost apathetic, which is what Jerry doesn't want. But there were many years a lot of people thought he should have moved on from Jason Garrett, and he didn't, right? And I will say this about Mike. He's not getting you a lot of 8-8 eight and eight seasons. He is getting you the 12-5 and five seasons, which I think is all the more frustrating. Uh, it's like that kid in school that you know is really, really smart, but they just don't apply themselves sometimes. <laughs> I feel like that's Mike in this roster. And so – I I truly believe this could go either way. I actually got a text this morning when I was talking to somebody about this, and I'll read it to you uh, internally. 
It was, I have no idea, but I'd imagine all imaginable options will be discussed and I wouldn't rule out anything. Uh, so I think that answers your first question. And then uh, what was your second question, Jim? Bill, I'm terrible Bill, at Bill, Bill Belichick. I mean, what yeah. about – well, I mean, great. They saw each other at a chairlift or at a ski mm-hmm. mountain. What about the fit? What about that dynamic? How do you think that would work? Well, here's why – it's interesting. I Bill Parcells, I covered him my first year working in sports, and that was a really, really interesting power dynamic. I'm sure you remember it too, Jim. I didn't think it worked, and that's why I always said Sean Payton and Dallas would absolutely never work. I mean, we're already seeing sort of the, the friction in Denver because he's used to so much autonomy as it relates to the draft and what he's going to say and not wanting leaks, you know, the phone calls coming from within the building. But I caught up with Bill in Miami at the Super Bowl because I was curious about that very thing and the the effusive admiration that Jerry Jones had for Bill. And you know when Bill gets asked like a special teams question and he sort of lights up? That was the way that Bill lit up as it related to Jerry. For whatever reason, those two make no sense when you think about it. But I think both really, really want to change the narratives right now about what their legacies are. I mean, there's a lot of questions about Bill. You know, was it Bill or Tom? Uh, in New England. And I think that there would be a deference on some level. I don't think you'll ever see Jerry hand over the reins, but I saw it a little bit early on with Mike uh, where he wasn't giving you the injury report on a Wednesday or telling you that the left tackle was going to be out of a game or playing if they were trying to have gamesmanship. And so I think a guy like Bill could come in here and have the respect of Jerry because Jerry, he covets those Lombardis and no one has more of them than Bill. And I think Bill has a deference for Jerry with the way that he's built that franchise and his commitment, you know, to success. And so I think the the rub would be, how would he work out with the scouts and the personnel department? And how would he handle some of Jerry's post-game press conferences and his radio interviews during the week? So I think that's the thing that all of us, sort of question, but I tend to think that Bill would be more successful than Sean Payton here in Dallas, which I know sounds strange, uh, but I just I feel like that marriage would be more interesting. I, I think it'd be fascinating myself. Jane, one last thought, and again, we were talking about Mike McCarthy as if he's gone and he's not. <laughs> I want to reference that point. But, like, what do you think Jerry's headspace is on this very topic? Like, for instance, if he makes a change and he brings Belichick in and they do get the Lombardi, to me, I would give Jerry credit. Like, yeah, Jerry, I know that's not the way you're wired. I know you don't want to necessarily share that, but you did what you had to do and you won. Would he see it that way, or do you think it would kind of hurt him in the sense that, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to get the credit I deserve because I had to go out there and get the goat to get that thing done when he wants to do it his way and get it his own way? Yeah, I mean, I think there were some lessons learned, uh, you know, after the Jimmy uh, divorce. And, you know, there's been a little bit of a reconciliation, if you will, by putting him into the ring of honor. I think Jerry uh, Jerry and fans and Michael Irvin, for that matter, truly thought the Jimmy curse was over and, and – you know, for whatever reason, they'd exercise a demon and they were going to go deep in the postseason. But I just, I think Jerry was a little bit waxing philosophical last night, even in our 10-minute post game, where he did talk about, you know, the things that weren't working. And he's consistently said, you know, sometimes he's got to look at the man in the mirror. And so 
you know, maybe he'll evaluate himself uh, as part of this process. I know fans listening are probably rolling their eyes at that notion, but, you know, we have seen in recent years, he didn't get Johnny Mandel. Remember, he got Zach Martin. Um, a lot of the people internally wanted to keep Romo or wanted to move on and, and have Dak, and he, I think, struggled at times because he wanted Romo. And so what I will say about Jerry, and he doesn't get enough credit for, he actually does. It is a collective decision, and it's gotten more so like that in recent years. So I think a lot of people internally are going to weigh in on this. And Jerry does genuinely care about what fans have to say about it, and the media for that matter. You know, I had him on 105 Through the Fan for years when I did my radio show there, and uh, we were the official home of the Cowboy Station. And it was always fascinating to me how much Jerry liked to listen to what things were said about him. One story I was even told was, he was getting driven to some place, and uh, the guys on the fan were just bagging on him. And he said, turn that up. I love when they talk like that. And so I, I, I don't think people realize how much Jerry weighs information in making a decision. And I do think this one is, and I said to people, it's tricky, it's nuanced, and there are so many layers to this. And what, what is kind of tricky, too, is that Dak Prescott, I think, shocking a lot of people, really publicly giving a testimonial for Mike McCarthy on the podium last night. He didn't have to do that, and he did. And so how many coaching changes are you going to make for your franchise guy that you can't move off of? Do you give this guy one more year in his contract, let this ride, and then move on, and maybe wink, wink to Bill, hey, we'll still be here, although I've been told that the Eagles are very much interested in Bill. Do you want someone in your division to grab him over you? So – that's why I think there's a lot of layers to this, and that's why I didn't expect a, a firing like the Falcons did with Arthur Smith by midnight. There are so many layers, and you're right. The last thing that Jerry would want to do is have a guy that he holds in such high regard go to the enemy within the division. <laughs> she is an NFL Network reporter, a contributor to 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Remember, NFL game day kickoff today at 2 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network leading up to the game between the Steelers and the Bills. Jane, I know how busy you are, and I so appreciate you making time for us and coming back on. Great to talk to you, Jane. Thanks so much. Always a Jim Rome fan. Appreciate you. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery for free. If your battery needs to be replaced, our professional parts people can help you find the right super start battery for your vehicle and budget. Don't wait. Get your battery tested for free today at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. We have spent an awful lot of time, an awful lot of time on the Cowboys. But that's not why I have a take today on Texas's team. I'm here to declare the state of Texas for the Houston Texans because the Texans earned it, not because the Cowboys choked it away along with their season yet again. I hit this up on the X after the Texans won. Cowboys, America's team, I'm not even sure they're Texas's team. And I said that before they got hammered by Green Bay. Please. Right? The Texans don't need the Cowboys to suck, to be a massive success. That's not my point. My point is that all that America's team nonsense is nonsense when America's team isn't even the best team in Texas especially since the Texans 
aren't just better than the Cowboys right now. They've been better. And they have a way brighter future. How about this? Since the Texans, this is an incredible stat. Since their inaugural season in 2002, despite all the problems they've had, Houston has more playoff wins than Dallas. So it's not even a new thing. The Texans have been the better team for a long time. And now C.J. Stroud has arrived, and it's not even close. I think pretty much everybody listening right now would rather have D'Amico Ryans than big Mike McCarthy. Flat out, I know everybody would rather have C.J. Stroud than Dak Prescott. To hear D'Amico talk about this dude, there isn't a quarterback in the world he'd rather have. And I am right there with the coach. C.J. is the reason why we're in this position. He's special, special young man, special player, continues to shine no matter how big the moment is. Like our whole team is leaning on him, and he has the shoulders to carry that weight. It's so true. They have put a lot on C.J., and so far this dude has responded and thrived in every single situation. You want to talk about a dude with broad shoulders. I mean, anything they ask, anything they ask of this guy or anything they ask him to do, He's game. He's up for. We might have seen his best performance yet on Saturday because he absolutely carved the Browns. Yo, Cleveland, what happened to your defense? Defense is supposed to travel in the playoffs, not no-show, not get completely and totally lit up by a rookie. Yeah, no, Joe Flacco turning back into Joe Flacco did not help. But the Browns' defense could have kept them in that game, and they did not. The Cleveland defense barely even slowed Houston at all. But then again, they barely showed up at all. Now, I'm not trying to get on Cleveland. They had a surprisingly great season. All things considered, they did have to start five different quarterbacks. They did lose Nick Chubb early in the season. Winning 11 games, despite all of that, was actually pretty amazing. But the reality is... They simply ran into a buzzsaw in Houston, a.k.a. Texas's team, a.k.a. Nick Casario's team. That clone? That clone had a vision. That clone is a genius. That clone had a vision that has become a reality, a beautiful reality, and a scary reality for the rest of the league. Like Jarrah. Jarrah said he was crushed because he thought the Cowboys were aligned and in great shape. Well, if Jarrah wants to see real alignment, actual alignment, all he has to do is watch the Texans and take notes because Houston has alignment. Houston has their man in the front office. They've got their head coach. They've got their quarterback. And they ran off one of the biggest misalignments ever into Sean Watson. And not only did Nick Casario brilliantly stock the cupboards with the capital he got back in that heist, there's still more to come. There's still more great picks for Nick to work with. And just as important as all of that, they have the jungle karma flowing. There's always time for the jungle. And coursing through their veins. Jungle karma. That's what we call alignment. And that alignment is Houston. 
And that makes them more than just Texas's team, which is a thing. That makes them straight up dangerous. That makes them a threat to anyone and everyone. And they're only getting started. It's not a great week. That's not a great season. That is an incredibly bright future. And I couldn't be more pumped for Nick. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. We are joined by Jane Slater. Jane, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Every time you call, you know, I make time for you. I know, I know you do, and I appreciate that so much, Jane. Great to have you on. You always make it better. So, Cowboy fans, Jane, have grown accustomed to playoff disappointment, but did yesterday's loss to Green Bay, was that rock bottom, and what is the latest from Big D this morning, Jane? You know, it's interesting. I didn't say, I didn't use the words, how do you power rank this one, Jerry? Uh, that probably wouldn't have been the most sensitive way to approach this one. But I did ask him where this one stacked. And he said that this was pretty high up there. And mostly because of the expectations they had for this team and the opportunity in front of them. I mean, Jordan Love has been playing exceptionally, exceptionally well uh, in this last stretch of six games this season. But they had an opportunity against this secondary. And then particularly at the end of the game when Jair Alexander uh, exited with an ankle injury. You know, he was questionable leading up to the game. And so it was the way they lost. It was the penalties. It was the forcing of the run. So questionable play calls. It was the body language of CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott when things weren't going right early on. Something that had been discussed early on in the season. Uh, and it was rearing its head again. This team just flat out came out not ready to play. And more importantly, Jim, you know how important fans are to Jerry Jones. They were booing and exiting before the fourth quarter. Those things never go well with Jerry Jones. Jane Slater joining us to that very point, Jane. You've covered Jerry Jones for many years. Have you ever seen him as despondent as he appeared to be in addressing the media yesterday? I have. Uh, he was pretty frustrated after the Cowboys-Rams loss when Jason Garrett was the coach. Remember, he kept him another year. And then it was the most interesting firing process. I actually went back to my notes to look this up. If you'll recall, they, they, they won the game against Washington. Eagles won the division, so they were out. And again, this was the year after he gave Jason that extra year, which I think in hindsight he wished he hadn't. Uh, they did the exit interviews, the cleaning out of the lockers. There was a one-hour conversation on a Wednesday. And then by Thursday, we got news that, that Jason was out the door. And I sort of pressured Jerry on this last night, given the fact there are so many intriguing head coaches available right now. You know, the biggest issue for Jerry is postseason success. And right now, the winningest coach in the postseason, Bill Belichick, with his 31 playoff wins, is available and back in 2019, Jerry was on 105 through the fan, which I contribute to, and said that he was an Aspen at Snowmass getting his grandkids skis, and it was Bill Belichick who tapped on his shoulder and said, this was after he lost his job in Cleveland, said, if you ever get a head coaching job, come find me. And I just think it's really interesting the way things have aligned right now. Uh, Jerry wouldn't get into it. He essentially said, 
coaches, that's not a pressure situation for him, sort of indicating that if he wanted to go get someone, he could. Uh, but you also have this dynamic right now where last year I was told he was really frustrated after that loss in Santa Clara. I mean, how embarrassing the final image we have is Ezekiel Elliott lining up at center and getting blown back. Uh, no answers after Tony Pollard got injured. Um, but in that case, they decided to keep Mike, I was told, because they didn't want to pay him out the two years remaining on his contract and then pay a new head coaching staff. But you did notice coaching changes. All the coaches in expiring contracts were gone. Jerry was frustrated that he considered Mike to have one of the largest rosters for coaches uh, in the league and wasn't finding success, so he downsized it. And then Mike kind of upset Kellen Moore in his exit interview uh, that he obviously said at the podium, and Kellen Moore turned in his resignation, so that was the one where he walked. But it was just really, really interesting. We didn't expect some of those changes last year. You know, Mike's gotten play calling. They had to move on from his defensive coordinator in his first year. They downsized uh, this year and still not having success. So I think that's why there's going to be some real soul-searching and some deep diving. And the other layer to this, Jim, is you can't move on from the quarterback right now. I mean, Dak went up to the podium and supported Mike last night, but he's got a very significant, about a $60 million cap hit next year that's going to hit, and he's got a no-trade clause. So I don't see them going out and getting an OC guru as we've seen you know, some of these other places uh, or try and go find a D'Amico uh, Ryan like Houston got. I think if he were to make a change, it would have to be someone that's a bona fide postseason uh, coach that can, and more importantly, Jim, change the culture of that locker room. I think that's what also uh, everyone in that building seems to think needs to happen. So well said. Jane Slater joining us right now. Jane, I'm like, I'm like you. I'm not looking to get anybody fired. I'm not looking to take food off anybody's plate. But how would it play in that town with that fan base if Jerry doesn't make a significant move? And then secondarily, what about the thing that you brought up, the dynamic, the fit between Belichick and Jerry? Can you see that working? Uh, I'll answer the first question uh, first. I think that fans are almost apathetic, which is what Jerry doesn't want. But there were many years a lot of people thought he should have moved on from Jason Garrett. He didn't, right? And... I will say this about Mike. He's not getting you a lot of eight and eight seasons. He is getting you the 12 and five seasons, which I think is all the more frustrating. Uh, it's like that kid in school that, you know, is really, really smart, but they just don't apply themselves. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like that's Mike in this roster. And so I, I truly believe this could go either way. I actually got a text this morning when I was talking to somebody about this and I'll read it to you uh, internally. It was, I have no idea, but I'd imagine all imaginable options will be discussed and I wouldn't rule out anything. Uh, so I think that answers your first question. And then uh, what was your second question, Jim? Bill, I'm terrible Bill, at Bill, Bill Belichick. I mean, what yeah. about – Well, I mean, great. They saw each other at a chairlift or at a ski mm -hmm. mountain. What about the fit? What about that dynamic? How do you think that would work? Well, here's what – it's interesting. I Bill Parcells, I covered him my first year working in sports, and that was a really, really interesting power dynamic. I'm sure you remember it too, Jim. I didn't think it worked, and that's why I always said Sean Payton and Dallas would absolutely never work. I mean, we're already seeing sort of the, the friction in Denver because he's used to so much autonomy as it relates to the draft and what he's going to say and not wanting leaks. You know, the phone calls coming from within the building – I caught up with Bill 
in Miami at the Super Bowl because I was curious about that very thing and the the effusive admiration that Jerry Jones had for Bill. And you know when Bill gets asked like a special teams question and he sort of lights up? That was the way that Bill lit up as it related to Jerry. For whatever reason, those two make no sense when you think about it, but I think both really, really want to change the narratives right now about what their legacies are. I mean, there's a lot of questions about Bill. You know, was it Bill or Tom uh, in New England? And I think that there would be a deference on some level. I don't think you'll ever see Jerry hand over the reins, but I saw it a little bit early on with Mike uh, where he wasn't giving you the injury report on a Wednesday or telling you that the left tackle was going to be out of a game or playing if they were trying to have gamesmanship. And so I think a guy like Bill could come in here and have the respect of Jerry because Jerry, he covets those Lombardis. And no one has more of them than Bill. And I think Bill has a deference for Jerry with the way that he's built that franchise and his commitment you know, to success. And so I think the, the rub would be how would he work out with the scouts and the personnel department, and how would he handle some of Jerry's post-game press conferences and his radio interviews during the week. So I think that's the thing that all of us sort of question, but I tend to think that Bill would be more successful than Sean Payton here in Dallas, which I know sounds strange, uh, but I just I feel like that marriage would be more interesting. I think it'd be fascinating myself. Jane, one last thought. And again, we were talking about Mike McCarthy as if he's gone and he's not. I want to reference that point. But, like, what do you think Jerry's headspace is on this very topic? Like, for instance, if he makes a change and he brings Belichick in and they do get the Lombardi, to me, I would give Jerry credit. Like, yeah, Jerry, I know that's not the way you're wired. I know you don't want to necessarily share that, but you did what you had to do and you won. Would he see it that way, or do you think it would kind of hurt him in the sense that, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to get the credit I deserve because I had to go out there and get the goat to get that thing done when he wants to do it his way and get it his own way? Yeah, I mean, I think there were some lessons learned, uh, you know, after the Jimmy uh, divorce. And, you know, there's been a little bit of a reconciliation, if you will, by putting him into the ring of honor. I think Jerry, Jerry and fans and Michael Irvin, for that matter, truly thought the Jimmy curse was over and, and – you know, for whatever reason, they'd exercise a demon and they were going to go deep in the postseason. But I just, I think Jerry was a little bit waxing philosophical last night, even in our 10-minute postgame, where he did talk about, you know, the things that weren't working. And he's consistently said, you know, sometimes he's got to look at the man in the mirror. And so, you know, maybe he'll evaluate himself uh, as part of this process. I know fans listening are probably rolling their eyes at that notion, but you know, we have seen in recent years, he didn't get Johnny Mandel. Remember, he got Zach Martin. Um, a lot of the people internally wanted to keep Romo or wanted to move on and, and have Dak. And he, I think, struggled at times because he wanted Romo. And so what I will say about Jerry, he doesn't get enough credit for, he actually does. It is a collective decision. And it's gotten more so like that in recent years. So I think a lot of people internally are going to weigh in on this. And Jerry does genuinely care about what fans have to say about it, and the media for that matter. You know, I had him on 105 Through the Fan for years when I did my radio show there, and uh, we were the official home of the Cowboy Station, and it was always fascinating to me how much Jerry liked to listen to what things were said about him. One story I was even told was 
he was getting driven to some place, and uh, the guys on the fan were just bagging on him. And he said, turn that up. I love when they talk like that. And so I, I, I don't think people realize how much Jerry weighs information in making a decision. And I do think this one is, and I've said to people, it's tricky, it's nuanced, and there are so many layers to this. And what, what is kind of tricky, too, is that Dak Prescott, I think shocking a lot of people, really publicly giving a testimonial for Mike McCarthy on the podium last night. He didn't have to do that, and he did. And so how many coaching changes are you going to make for your franchise guy that you can't move off of? Do you give this guy one more year in his contract, let this ride, and then move on, and maybe wink, wink to Bill, hey, we'll still be here, although I've been told that the Eagles are very much interested in Bill. Do you want someone in your division to grab him over you? So that's why I think there's a lot of layers to this, and that's why I didn't expect a, a firing like the Falcons did with Arthur Smith by midnight. There are so many layers, and you're right. The last thing that Jerry would want to do is have a guy that he holds in such high regard go to the enemy within the division. <laughs> she is an NFL Network reporter, a contributor to 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Remember, NFL game day kickoff today at 2 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network leading up to the game between the Steelers and the Bills. Jane, I know how busy you are, and I so appreciate you making time for us and coming back on. Great to talk to you, Jane. Thanks so much. Always a Jim Rome fan. Appreciate you. So I'm going to start right there. Mike in Dallas. Great to have you, Mike. How are you? Hey, Rome. I'm good. Listen, man, it's been almost two decades since I called in. I got racked. I had the take. And you know what? I wanted to go out on top. But here I am again because now I'm in Dallas, formerly of Boise. And I'm going to tell you this right here. The fish rots from the Jarrah down. We stuck a veggie meter in the offense yesterday. Guess what it said? Ass. We put it in the defense. It said ass. The veggie meter went to the coaching same thing. Guess what, Rome? Ass. Ownership. Ass. I'm so sick of it. Here we go. You know what Prescott needs to say? Bohica, Cowboy fan. That's As soon as they shoved that ball down our throat, Aaron Jones on that first drive, the only thing I could think about the whole damn time was Bohica. Bend over. Here it comes again. And guess what? You know what's worse about this? My cousin Fat Travis, who's a Raider guy out of Las Vegas, and doesn't have the stones to call in and talk to you, he's going to give it to me for an entire year. And you know what? I deserve it. I deserve it, Rome. Hey, appreciate the time. Warrior collab with Jordan Montgomery. That's my main man. Did some private coaching with him. War Cowboys ownership firing themselves and getting something new. I'm sick of it. Thanks for the time, Rome. Peace out. My man, Rakim. I love that. That is awesome. Check him out. Mike in Dallas saying, I haven't called you in a couple of decades because I want to go out on top. I want to walk it off. Hey, my man, good news is you got racked again. You can still walk it off. You can still go out on top. He got racked two decades apart. Tommy in Detroit. What's going on, Tommy? How are you? Hey, Rome's. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? It's been a long time coming. You know what? Uh, you can tell your listeners, this is the Lions' first playoff victory in 32 years. We haven't won a playoff game since January 5th, 1992. I mean, that's like uh, unbelievable, you know? And this town has been starving. And... um we got it going on now, and uh, watch out, the Lions. You know, this game against the Rams was dangerous. I like If I was a betting man, I would have bet the Rams all day long, plus those points, and you would have cashed your ticket. 
but the Lions won, and we're moving on. And I got to say, Romy, what about the – when is Roger Goodell going to, you know, make these officials full-times? Because what about that encroachment call? Seven minutes to go in the game, the Lions had the ball. Fourth and five, they were obviously trying to draw the Rams off sides, and they did. It was a perfect play. It was the Rams jumped off, and they called it on Taylor Decker from the Lions, the same guy that caught the pass against the Cowboys that would have won the game that said, oh, no, he wasn't the one that re- that um, reported eligible. It's like, what is it with the officiating? And especially, you know what, we overcame it. Years past, the Lions would have lost that game. Now they won that game. That's all I got to say, Romy. Go Lions, baby. Out. Oh, man, Tommy. Tina, what's going yeah, on? How are you? Jim. How are you? I'm, I'm in Detroit. Uh, I'm 70 years old. Ah, oh, no. no, Tina. No, that was cold-blooded, Alan. Good night now.